1: Welcome listeners to another week in the family room. I'm Craig Wiesmeyer and I'm here with my co-host Mari and John. How are you guys doing? Well, awesome. Hello. That's great. We have a great show topic today. We're talking about overcoming addiction. And if you want to find that on our show in our show notes or in our podcast, please look at the family room and you'll find us there again after the show.
2: So, as Craig just said, we're going to be talking about addiction, and we've got a wonderful guest here today with us, Thomas Clements. Um, hi, Thomas. Hey,
3: how how are you guys doing? Good to be with you today.
2: We're so thankful you're here with us, and some people may recognize your voice. Thomas, yes. actually, yep. yep, yep. <laughs> it's so fun to sit back across the desk from you it again. It is.
3: It's really great to be here again.
2: Yep. So, Thomas was one of my co-hosts for Shelter in Peace, another one of our local shows here. On the quest, and um, we we worked together for about three months in 2020, I guess it was. And um, he left us to go create a new ministry called Zenith Ministries, and so yes. he's going to be talking to us about that yes, today. Yes,
3: it's been great. Thank yeah. you. Yeah.
2: And so Thomas, um, you you just celebrated. You and Christine just celebrated 11 years of marriage. Congratulations! Amazing.
3: Yeah. Thank you so much.
2: That's great. And you've got four kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Four
3: beautiful kids. Uh, two boys, two girls. The oldest is 10. The youngest is two. So. So it's, it's wild. A
4: little busy. house. It's, busy- yeah. 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 it's wild. <laughs> There's a little activity on that house.
3: Very sleep. We actually let them stay up until 1030 for New Year's, um, but they didn't get the memo that when you stay up later, you're supposed to sleep later. So we were still up bright and early the next day. <laughs> and we didn't go to bed at 1030, by the way. So it was fun.
2: <laughs> I don't actually miss those days as much as I <laughs> think I would. <laughs> Um, so we, uh, so as we get, we're going to hear more about Thomas before we do that, though, John, would you open us in prayer? Because that's one of the things we always make sure we do here on the family room is invite God into this conversation.
4: Sure. Well, let's begin in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. 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 Heavenly father, as we come before you, we first and foremost, just bring you thanks and praise and great gratitude for the time that we have together for the The things, the gifts that you give us, those things that we see and understand and those things that we sometimes just blow by and take for granted. We know all those things are gifts from you. We ask you to gift this time that we have together with Thomas as our guest. uh, Breathe your Holy Spirit into this time and and open our minds and open our hearts and, and, and open the minds and hearts of our listeners so that those things and those healings and those insights that you would have our listeners and us understand uh, from the things that Thomas will share. We ask you to to open us up and, and just make us docile to the movings of your spirit and your wisdom and in our minds and our hearts. And Father, we lay these petitions and we lay these next few minutes that we'll have together before you. We offer our prayers in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 St. John Paul II, pray, pray for us. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, pray, pray for, for us. us.
2: Thank you. That was beautiful. And you know, the word that hit me as I listened to that was docility. I love that word docility. Yeah. yeah. Thomas, and when I look at you and the more I've gotten to know you, that's something I see in you is a real docile heart. Oh, and thank you so much. You're yeah. welcome. And that kind of comes in a way from God just getting you and keep he kept on working yeah. on you. Oh,
3: for sure. Because I, I definitely used to be the opposite. <laughs> it was my way or the highway. And if anyone else tried to make me do anything, I would either do the exact opposite or just... You know, do whatever I wanted.
2: Yeah, so that's a little bit of a peek into you. Would you share with our listeners a bit more of your um, of your yourself? Maybe especially your faith journey and kind of sure. your story.
3: Sure. Yeah. So I, you know, I grew up here in Georgia. I went to Catholic school till about eighth grade, and then I went. Uh, I, was, I was kind of a troublemaker uh, as a kid, so I didn't make it into St. Pius like my sisters did for grades, uh, because of my grades. And so I went to public school, and that's where I lost my faith. Uh, fell away for a while, Uh, went to rehab for a year because I fell into drugs and alcohol as well. So I went to rehab, um, went to a two-week detox, all these different programs trying to kick it. But then I finally was convinced uh, by my parents to go to a small liberal arts Catholic school, Uh, attended there, and and God kind of introduced himself to me there, fell in love with him, fell in love with theology. And so I, I began uh, my studies in that. I, I uh, then moved to Franciscan University to get my master's in theology there, uh, became a teacher, taught for about seven years, uh, and then God called me you know, out of that to, to start Zenith Ministries, which has been a, just a tremendous blessing.
1: That's incredible. Listening to you, I've listened mm-hmm. to one of your podcasts, so thank you for doing those. Oh, thank you. Um, one of the things I got out of it was... Um, your conversion and everything came with i got to put god's first Mm -hmm. god's will versus what we typically do is it's our will you know our way or the highway Mm -hmm. and one of the things i loved about what you said too is that we're never a finished product yeah that god's constantly working in our lives and god gets glorified in our imperfections oh amen which to me to me is a beautiful thing obviously when you're going through recovery and you're you're very open about it which is beautiful Mm because you're not hiding behind like never happened whatever Um, Your honesty is is an amazing thing. Can you talk a little bit more about that story, about your recovery, maybe the road to recovery and kind of where you are today and all that?
3: Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, and this might be good for, you know, our listeners to know too, in case they they didn't pick up on this, but drugs and alcohol, and I probably shouldn't say this, but drugs and alcohol are really fun. Like it, (laughs) it feels really good to be, for me at least, to be really drunk or to be stoned or you know to be high on on cocaine or you know all that stuff it it feels great so yeah because you know,
2: Satan's gonna create yeah, it so yeah, it's gonna yeah. feel that way right
3: so you know, parents maybe not let your kids hear that last part I don't know if this <laughs> paused, but uh, yeah so it feels great um, and and it for me it filled something up that I wasn't getting from the world you know well and, and what I mean by that is you know I, I was very uh, I had a big heart ready to love people uh, very a uh, high energy and it wasn't being matched and so like keeping you know realizing that with you know I I was not finding my love reciprocated so I found it in drugs I was Mm -hmm. feeling like this incredible good feeling that I was looking for in the world and and like in my experiences with others and I wasn't getting it there so I found it in drugs made me feel better about myself uh you know it took away uh you know helped me cope it took away my you know issues like i didn't have to worry about anything cuz i just had to feel good but did it
1: really take them away or did it just cover them up?
3: exactly exactly so it just you know made them feel like they went away but they really probably they made them worse it made me more sad uh it really uh you know wrecked my life i did terrible in school i became lazier more selfish uh and and really just kind of only cared about myself uh tremendously and, you know to the point where it hurt my relationships with others uh, with my family uh with girls you know that I was involved with uh it ruined it ruined my future too and so i was a wreck and uh, i was constantly, constantly scrambling to try to find happiness uh and i even moved to the beach after i spent a year in rehab which didn't work unfortunately um i moved to the beach in destin lived on a house my front porch was basically the white sands of destin and then the gulf of mexico beyond that I had everything that MTV told me as a kid that I needed to be happy. You know, I had I had money, I had you know people to hang out with, uh, you know, girls, drugs, alcohol, uh, but I was miserable, mm. uh, absolutely just just super sad. And it was thinking about this, like, why am I so sad? I have everything, right. you know. Why why would I be like this? That I was able to kind of discover that it was actually uh, I was missing God. I said, I tried everything else. I've been unhappy. So why don't I just try Jesus? And I I, like the moment I did, I just felt like a light, like kind of come into my life uh, where I just, you know, kind of was convinced. Uh, And this is going to sound kind of crazy, but I'll share with you. So (laughs) I'm living in this apartment in Destin because I moved out of uh, the beach house because Hurricane Katrina put a hole in the roof and it was all this mess. So I had to move out. But I'm driving back to this apartment. And that's when I had this epiphany uh, about Jesus. And I'm like, this is it. This is what I need. And I'm super excited. And, you know, I called the church uh, and told them, hey, I'm coming back. <laughs> and I woke up the next morning and I don't know why. And this is going sound weird, but I found like these beautiful white flowers in my underwear. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm not sure what this means or how that happened. But uh, that, you know, someone We're told not- me once it was a sign of purity we're not going to ask any more about that yeah but uh so that was my the beginning and i had this understanding that uh that that i was supposed to love jesus and follow him but i could still do whatever i wanted Mm -hmm. uh so it wasn't you know full like faith in the catholic church or whatnot yet i was actually attending saint mary's down there in fort walton beach but it was it was i was on the path for sure you know i was moving closer uh, and then I had a rough year because I still was doing whatever I wanted that I you know, was still getting into drugs and alcohol after a year of rehab and everything. So then uh, I talked to my parents. They talked me into going to this Catholic school, this Catholic liberal arts school that used to be in Dawsonville, Georgia, uh, that has since closed down. Uh, and so I went to a two-week detox there, a uh, two-week detox, and then I went there after that. Uh, I lasted about a month. You know, sober until I found the the right people to party with, uh, and I, I really went heavy on the drugs and alcohol again, uh, not wanting to. The thing is, is I really didn't want to, but I I couldn't help myself. It was too fun. that you know, that's why I said at the beginning, like drugs and alcohol, they're Dangerous. fun, and mm-hmm. I, I couldn't give it up uh, until uh, I just I just felt loved by God tremendously I just you know, was in this Catholic community uh surrounded by people who were faithful and they all uh had convincing things to say that i couldn't I couldn't argue with so I started to pray and through prayer God introduced himself to me that's the best way I can describe it it was it was another mystical experience uh for sure and the light just got brighter uh and then I started going to daily Mass and what what Jesus did for me in the Eucharist was better than any drug mm. I've ever ever done. It was amazing. Praise God. That's Amen. awesome. Amen. Yeah, thank you. And then I, you know, wanted to receive the Eucharist, so I started going to confession as much as I could. Uh, well, when it was needed, and that was as much as I could. <laughs> and that was, uh, and that, that really you know helped me. At first, it was you know I was going every day, and then I'd get you know I'd get back from confession, I'd find the forty you know, ounce of beer in my book bag. And I'm like, well, I can't waste this. And so I'd chug it and then I'd go on a bender because I was a mess. And and then after a while, you know, God just won, you know, because mm-hmm. it was a battle of wanting to and not wanting to. And and God won. And I decided it was, what, April 24th, 2007 that I was done. It was my first full day of sobriety. Uh, I haven't gotten drunk ever since then. I haven't, you know, smoked weed or done any cocaine. You know or anything and it's it's been it's been a moment of of like uh, the miracle at Cana you know where Jesus took the the water and made wine he took the things that I thought I couldn't live without right he took you know the beer and the, the pot and you know the the inappropriate relationships and he took those and turned them into you know an awesome relationship with my family I eventually that same year actually met the woman who would become my wife. I was put on the direction of learning theology, you know, so that I could eventually teach for a while and then, you know, start this healing ministry that I started. And it's it's been a roller coaster, you know. There have been some low moments too, for sure, but it's been amazing. Man, it's been amazing. Thank you, yeah. yeah,
4: folks. You're listening to this amazing story on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlantic Catholic Radio, and and we're we're um we're talking. Um, about addiction and, um, and Thomas, I think a lot of us, well, clearly faith was a, a relevant thing in your family. there you, yeah. was part of your life. It had mm-hmm. its place and, and you were practicing, uh, your family were practicing Catholics. And, and I think we all kind of believe sometimes that as long as we have, and we go to church, we do these things, we and our children will be exempt from the attacks of the devil and, and all these kinds of things, specifically addiction. But, but that wasn't the case for you. What, what did you see in your life and what do you see now in the lives of people you deal with at Zenith Ministries that, that could give some insight about um, how do you prevent these things? How do you make an environment? How do you protect and so on?
3: That's, that's a great point, and I think the word that you you said that really kind of you know strikes the nail on the head is environment. Uh, this isn't nineteenth century you know France, you know where Saint Therese of Lisieux grew up, where her dad could you know trust that you know hey she's out and about and she'll you know if she runs into someone they're going to help her be more virtuous and right. faithful. This mm-hmm. is unfortunately a culture that that we live in is is very anti-Catholic, very anti-Christian, and. And so I think we definitely need to be more vigilant into you know, what our kids are exposed to, what they're consuming as far as media and you know, even you know, books that they read and, and various things that kind of enter into their world. And, and I'm not saying you know, just banish you know, the world altogether because you know, we need to be in the world, not of the world. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard mm-hmm. someone even say that it's, we're called to be uh, a light of the world not light of the church right Mm -hmm. so we're called to you know be out there and and point people to jesus but at the same time we need to be vigilant of our kids and make sure that at least we're teaching them how to to see those things correctly um i'm I'm thinking of an example you're watching a football game right and there's tons of amazing examples of people doing great things and not so great things and that um you know, you'll know, you see a football player make an amazing play and make the sign of the cross or get down on one knee and pray and then you see you point your kid and they like see that's how we should you know handle when we do good things we should thank God and you know honor him for it and then another player you see like cursing or getting all mad or pushing someone or fighting and you can say and that's what we need to avoid we don't keep them from seeing that we just help them see like that's not how we should behave
4: got it mm. mm-hmm. and
3: because you know it's it's everywhere you said something
4: that has uh resonated and has really been something that we wanted to do with the show and that is to just take the very everyday things because we we don't want people to think that somehow the three of us uh have you know have made it and we're we're yeah. you know, walking saints Absolutely. you just got to get to know here. us a little bit to, 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 <laughs> to, to come to that conclusion but just in case you don't know us but uh, but you talked about just everyday things everybody mm-hmm. that we talk to gives us information and ideas as you have that are not rocket science. They yeah. are just good common sense things. That's mm-hmm. great. Thank you. I mean, one
1: of the things that struck me too was we had the uh, Carltons on and they talked about their marriage
4: and finding
1: like-minded Christians and Catholics to be yeah. around. Yeah. And you said the exact same thing. You know, we got to be careful who we surround. Not, not to your point, not that we're in a holy huddle and away from everybody else, mm-hmm. but we need to be with people that are going to support, God and support our our growth in that, and not lead us down the wrong path. So, thank you for confirming that because I think that's a huge thing yeah. that we forget.
2: Yeah, and you and we are going to ask more about that because it is interesting in this journey that you were on. Kind of what were some of the factors that led to? This? So, we'll ask that. But I I want to start uh, start first with another question because it's going through my mind as parents are listening to this. You know, many of our listeners um, have kids who are high school age or maybe early college age. Was there anything that, um, and I'm sure you've gotten this question before as you've worked with the parents of different teens, is there anything that your parents or anybody else could have done to have gotten you to quit your addictions? You know, once you did kind of were lured into them by Satan and some of the um, things around you, is there anything your parents could have done?
3: Yeah, you know, they're, they're, it's a great question. And uh, for me, I'm sure there could have been a, many different tactics. My parents were, you know, amazing. Mm-hmm. They're great people. Uh, they weren't perfect, those. You know, they did did some things wrong, uh, and I'm sure I'm, I'm doing wrong things too with my kids. <laughs> I was so, gonna say,
2: let's let's line up wrong. here. We don't need to, we don't need to bring my
3: wife on though. So, <laughs> <laughs> but so but one thing, I, and I, I've been thinking about this a lot, um, because I think you know, there's everyone's different, and so some things are gonna work mm. for this person, but not work for that. And so some people, tough love is what they need. Mm. Uh, I knew a kid who if you were nice to him, he saw that as as weakness mm-hmm. and didn't respect you. And then, you know, someone else, though, it's like that's too much for them. They're too sensitive and that'll mm-hmm. break them and mm. make things way worse. So some people are going to need that tough love. Others are going to need patience and gentleness. Um, uh, one thing I do know, and I, you know, what I said about myself is every addict I've ever talked to has just had a, a huge heart mm. and has, has really been loving and i I really think that it's they have that that tremendous heart and they they turn to the world with it, they turn to other people and they don't receive what they give and it it, it crushes them and they they look elsewhere for it and they find it in drugs and alcohol and so I think what a, a, a what a parent can do is if they sense that in their kid, even before they see any drugs, but even if, if it's during drugs during their their drug use, then you know try to match that energy. Try to, you know, love your kid in a in a way that not just to to love them, but like St. John Bosco said, you know, it, it's it's not enough for kids just to be loved. They have to feel loved. Mm-hmm. So uh, it might be oversimplifying things, but I think that needs to definitely be the first step. I also have, have kind of looked at, you know, why especially young people are doing drugs. And I kind of boiled it down to four reasons. One is they're bored. Two is, this, you know, their way of dealing with stress uh 3 it's you know from peer pressure and then 4 is like they feel empty and you know they're looking for anything to fill them and and so i have 7 steps that i put together in a, a an ebook that we can you know mention later how people can get that but um so that that's good but then also i think with dealing with those four reasons uh we want to help our kids learn how to cope you know with you know the stresses of the world because the world let's it's a cruel place Life it can is. be yeah. super harsh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, so we have to help our kids cope with that. We also have to have to. The world is a, a great place, and it's fun. Like, we can have a lot of fun that's healthy. So we have to teach them how to have fun in a healthy way. And then that that emptiness, um, needs to be combated with helping them know Jesus. Like He's not a, a, a hands off God. Like He He wants to be our friend. He wants to be our our roommate because He He lives with us, right? So we need to teach. Teach our kids how to walk with the Lord and and really know Him, uh, so that when they're presented with the opportunity by you know their friends, uh, they don't need to they don't need it. They already have what they what they know is good for them, best for them.
1: I think it's interesting, um, especially in the environment we live in. We have more, and our kids have more than previous generations ever had. Oh yeah. We think about drug addiction and we think about alcoholism as the person on skid row that you know has Mm -hmm. nothing Mm -hmm. but you're seeing it more and more and it's interesting because you mentioned um boredom Mm -hmm. excess you know what Mm -hmm. am i going to do and i know we're talking about a drug and alcohol which is which is a key topic but i also want to mention there are kids that go through eating disorders yeah there are kids and 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 folks your your daughters excuse me it's very personal for me As a parent, you think, I've got it nailed. Apologize. No, it's okay. You know, you're doing it all right. But at the same time, your kids can go through some of this stuff. And you're like, how in the world did this happen? You know, I've done it all right. I've I've loved them, whatever. And it's like, well, why? Well, because in their minds, they're comparing themselves to other people. Yeah. Or they're looking at trying to be perfect. Or they're looking Mm -hmm. at... A standard that the world's telling them, and they can't live up to it because, to your point, they they're not tied to Christ at all because they're not hearing what Christ is telling them who they are. Amen. Mm-hmm. So, question for you then, and I, again, folks, I apologize for the 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 breakdown here. Yeah. But you know, what do parents need to be aware of? What factors do we need to be looking at that are leading kids into addiction? Because you know, for me, the biggest lie is. Well, pot's not that bad. It's okay. We're legalizing it all over the place, in my opinion, creating zombies. Mm -hmm. Well, how does that not lead to more? So, what are factors that you can talk about, maybe that are leading kids into that? Sure.
3: Well, for for pot, you know, you pay attention to your kid, right? I think, uh, and you can sense, you know, that there are certain if they if they have a problem with, you know, too much screen time or you know, too, like they they have a, an issue saying no to, you know, enjoyment. Like, hey, it's time to go. Like, you know, like all kids do. But if if you're paying attention to your kid and they're they're struggling with, you know, saying no to themselves, or or, or they, you see that they're you know more so than a kid should, you know, that could be a sign that hey, they mm-hmm. they have an addictive personality, mm-hmm. right? Or if they're picking up like you know biting their nails too much or other bad habits. Uh, and they're struggling, like, like all kids do that. Like I bite mm-hmm. my nails, but I have an addictive personality, <laughs> right? Um, you know, but like you that's so this way you got to pay attention and see if it's, if it's too much, right? And if you notice that in your kid, then, then you can kind of turn on, you know, the love, you know, make sure you're, you know, not, not to spoil them, but the, you know, hyper-focus on them. And uh, another point too is like, yeah, we're all different. But mm-hmm. we have the same spirit, right? The same Holy Spirit, and if we partner with the Holy Spirit, He will help you raise your child, mm-hmm. right? A great point. And yeah. I have, yeah. I've can't like I've countless times where I've walked in on my kids listening to a a book on Audible that we thought was okay, and then like all of a sudden we realize, I hear them like talking about this one character talking about atheism. Not that he was pushing it on my kids, but he was just talking about he was an atheist. Uh, it was one of the Penderwicks. Mm. Books for those of you who weren't, but I, I happened to walk in at that moment and I was able to talk to my kids about you know what that meant and and you know why we're not atheists and mm. it was a beautiful teaching moment mm. and and there's countless other times that the Holy Spirit has just been present and and helped me just teach my kids and show them the right way to live and it's and once again, it's not through avoiding everything that's bad it's it's through encountering it and and helping them see clearly
1: showing a counter to that
3: culture yeah Yeah, exactly
2: well one of the things that kind of to summarize a couple things that i heard that i thought was were so important that you just said thomas was, first of all, our kids are individuals, right? Yeah, amen, God created yeah. them in his image, but each one of them is individual. So what the way you show the love, the way you focus in, the way you support and encourage is going to be different. So really learning your children is going to yeah. be so critical. Yep. Yeah, my godmother had six kids, and one of them became an addict. And yeah. you know she was an amazing, faith-filled, wonderful woman. And you look and you say, huh, that doesn't make sense. Why did one become an addict? Well, by the grace of God, he's now an amazing Catholic father and a beautiful husband and all. But one of the things that I noticed in her throughout the whole time, she kept loving him, like you said. She was she was loving to him, but also she was faithful. She was so faithful. Yeah. And so she knew Jesus. And so when when God got him, part of it was he turned to her because he knew how much he knew Jesus, right? And so as God worked in his heart and his life, um, you know, her own faith. So I think just that part too, as parents recognize our faith journey does a lot, not only for helping us partner, but also because of the fact that, our kids need to know that somebody yeah. knows Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, listeners, we are going to be heading to break right now, and we're coming back um, in just a few minutes with our guest here in the family room, Thomas Clements. See you soon.
0: We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Verse Sprite on the quest.
1: St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about.
5: Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com.
0: Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig, sponsored by First on AM 1160 The Quest.
2: Our guest, Thomas Clements, who is the head and the founder of Zenith Ministries. And um, we are very thankful, Thomas, that you're talking to us today about overcoming addiction, which is a a big topic out there. A lot of people are in bondage. And uh, so I know Jesus is using you in amazing ways to help people step out of that. Yeah, Yeah. thank you. So here in the family room, one of the things we do is we always ask every single guest for their own family room memories. So um, Thomas, do you have any favorite family room memories of either you growing up or maybe um, with you and Christine and your kids um, that you guys like to do in the fa- your oh, family room.
3: Absolutely. And, and it's the same for both is it's board games. We played Risk, Monopoly, Parcheesi, you know, all the great uh-huh. board games, tons of card games. Card games are big in my family. And fortunately for my kids, I passed down their the, my crying gene. When I, when I lose, <laughs> I, you know, I've cried as a kid and so they get that now. And so it's, well, we have fun. It's, it's a good time. When we were playing Monopoly the other night and I got, I was getting all the properties. I got boardwalk, mm. like within my first go around the board. So the, nice. the, it was just me and my wife and my daughters. And so we let the daughters stay up a little bit late that night so we could, you know, you play more, more of that game. So, <laughs> so you know. they could beat
1: them and watch them cry.
3: <laughs> I think they, well, what happened was I had all these great properties. And at the end, my wife said that, okay, whoever has the most money wins. And I asked if I could liquidate the properties. She said no. <laughs> so I didn't win, actually, even though I was doing so well.
2: That's all. Okay, so there's a hint. If you're losing at the game, just change the rules. Exactly. Well, I know.
4: <laughs> Barb, tell, you have to ask her, tell a funny story. She had a great uncle who always played Monopoly with them when they were kids. And she said, he used to cheat. They would, have, <laughs> they would go in for lunch, and he would move the pieces on the board. Amazing. A it's a funny story when yeah. she tells it. Always, I. Anyway, we should get back to business here. So, look, Thomas, we've talked, uh, we've heard Zenith Ministries, Zenith Ministries Ministries several times in the conversation here, right? It's a work that you're doing. Let's take a deeper dive. Tell us what's going on at Zenith Ministries. And and especially if there's some, pardon me, edifying things that you can share without, you know, divulging, you know, confidences and stuff. I think just hearing what's going on and the good stuff that's happening there would be great. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so I I started
3: Zenith Ministries kind of looking at the world and, and seeing people go through uh, the same things that I went through, you know, with addiction, depression, and conflicts and whatnot. And so I, I very much felt God call me to, to help those people. So it's a healing ministry where, you know, I do inner healing with people, which is necessary, especially with people, you know, dealing with, you know, drug a- addiction issues or depression issues, uh, because, you know, they're not handling uh, either certain trauma or certain difficulties that they've experienced well. And so they're turning to drugs or they're super sad about it. Uh, I do some life coaching in that uh, spiritual direction. This is all part of the the one-on-one mentoring aspect of the ministry. Uh, I do conflict resolution. So I'm I'm working with uh, people with addictions or they're depressed. I've actually had several married couples see me uh, meet with each spouse one-on-one and then them together, and that's that's going tremendously. So there's a lot to be discouraged about in in these mm. regards and a lot of people have suffered greatly but what i'm seeing is god is real and he loves us and he is moving in people's lives i mean i'm seeing addictions overcome marriages mm. that were you know at the level of hey we're we're probably going to get divorced to like a year later hey this is the, we just had the best mm. this is the verbatim what i heard one of my clients say: I, we just had the best thanksgiving you know ever Wow. And so it's, God is real and he's working in people's lives. And I'm just so thankful that he's, he's doing it through Zenith Ministries too, because I'm able to watch it. And that's how I know it's God. Cause if it was just me, this would not be, it would not be working out, but it's, it's God. And he, you know, I've, I've had some insights from going through myself and then he, he speaks and moves through me as well. And he's the one healing these people when we do the inner healing. And it's, it's been great. And then another part of the ministry is that I want to gather people together so we can, you know, praise God together hmm. and really encounter him. Because our faith, unfortunately, it's been kind of depicted as, you know, this, this theory or opinion, mm. you know, these past, you know, you know years. And, and it's more than that. It's more than just something we think about. It's more than just like a, a driving idea that, you know, convinces us and gets us to do what we're supposed to do. It is interactive. It is you know, an experience of life, mm-hmm. um, and that's what we do. We, we come together once a month. Uh, we sing praise and worship. Uh, we pray together. I always get a speaker. So this month we're going to have... Uh, actually, so when we interviewed together, uh, Marie, it's Rob Monteperre. Monteperre, yeah. Monteper, yeah, yeah, Rob Monteperre. He'll be speaking, and God always shows up. Everyone leaves refreshed, reinvigorated with the Holy Spirit, and so... It's just a beautiful, beautiful journey that I get to help people uh go down. And it's it's been great. Yeah.
4: Awesome. Thanks yeah, for the, sharing that. Thanks for doing that.
1: The excitement too in your voice is great when you talk oh. about it. You know, I heard um somebody talk about the creation story, how there was chaos and God entered the yeah. chaos and mm. created the world. Yep. And anybody listening knows there's plenty of chaos out there today. Mm-hmm. And the God that entered in then is more than happy to enter in today and Amen. kind of straighten that all out. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I know with Zenith Ministries, you know, you've created a blog that yes. you have. Yes. And then within that, you also created the Seven Steps of Overcoming Addiction, which is a blog post and an ebook. If yeah. I remember correctly, the ebook is better. Yeah. Exactly. The ebook is yeah, better. Yeah. Okay. So let's make sure we. And how do they find the ebook? Why don't you tell sure. them how to get yeah. to your ministry? So if
3: they, if they go to zenithministries.com forward slash ebooks. Uh, there, I have two eBooks that I've released so far The the first one though is seven steps to overcome addiction that, uh, essentially I just looked at my own experience, uh, and, and saw like, how did I, how did I basically get myself, uh, before the Lord, you know, how did I come to contact with him so that he could take over and do all that. So I, I went through the the various steps. I listed out seven of them, uh, which I thought was a good number to use Kind of a holy number, uh, yeah. A good holy <laughs> number, uh, and Completion, really, yeah. and really list out the the steps that I took, and I, and I think it. I really found that these are these are it, and I've helped others follow these steps, and it, they've helped them as oh. well. Now you've teased
1: everybody on multiple occasions on the steps you've created, but you yeah. haven't told us what those sure, are. Sure, sure. Why don't you
3: tell us what they yeah. are, if you don't mind, and give us
1: some little facts about them?
3: Absolutely, sure. Yeah. So what I should say is that not only are these all good to do. Right. But they also help rewire your brain. And that's mm. the thing is that because, you know, drugs and 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 alcohol are so fun and, you know, other things, too. Right. We get dopamine increases and, in, you know, and eating disorders and looking at pornography, even the phone. Right. So our brains get wired, you know, to to want it more and to, to get stuck, if you will. So all these things will rewire your brain. Um, And so the first thing is to undo, you know, I'll say it first. So it's to put others first, put others first. Uh, And so what I did is uh, I I quit everything. Right. But then I I took the summer, you know, and I moved in with with a a professor of mine who let me stay with him and his family. And I said yes to everything anyone asked me to do. Mm -hmm. I did no questions about it. Oh, you need your lawn loan. Let me go move that. Let me go. Mow that for you. Oh, you need help moving? Let me go move that for you. You know, and so I did everything people asked and so what that did is that that undid my uh self-serving, you know? And because when you're addicted, you're super selfish. And I was mm. I was like the the perfect selfish person. Like if they get, gave out awards for like being selfish, I would have won gold for sure. And so that was una- I was able to undo that. Uh number 2 is uh run to something else, right? Because addiction becomes such a huge part of your life, you can't just walk away from it, right? You can't just be done with it and that's that because there's now this gaping so hole. it needs a replacement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, in fact, any addict will tell you when they stop using, like, wow, there's a lot of time in the day, <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> you know? And so you have to fill it with something else. So pick up a hobby. I've had some people do mountain, mountain biking. Uh, you know, you could pick up playing a musical instrument, you know, art, so, something fun, right? that you can kind of get more involved in so that when it's, you know, maybe you get that fix, you turn to that instead. Uh, For me, it happened to be, you know, I was already playing the guitar a lot. So that was part of it. But I also turned to uh, learning more about the Catholic faith. I fell in love with theology, like I said, so I was learning it in school. Uh, And so I was learning more about not just the the knowledge part of the faith, but like also like the Catholic culture and the different feast days and how to pray different prayers. So that really kind of took over for me. Number three uh, is to repeat the opposite action as often as possible. Right. Uh, so this could be uh, as easy as, you know, not drinking or not picking up your phone or if you're addicted to pornography, right. You practice viewing people, not as objects, but as subjects. And so you, you know, try to make eye contact with someone, think about their family more, think about how that, you know, there's more to them than just their body, right? And what what kind of brought this to mind too is that, you know, I was doing this, but also, you know, you think of the Israelites in the desert, right? After they left Egypt, uh, they spent all that time in the desert and what did they do? They sacrificed animals. Well, those weren't just, you know, arbitrary animals that God just wanted to see them sacrifice, but those were the animals that happened to be the gods that the Egyptians worshipped. Mm -hmm. And so God had them slaughter those animals, Mm. you know, every day in the desert to undo the worshipping of those animals that they did. They were, they, of course they were in Egypt for 500 years. They're going to pick up those bad habits. And so they had to kill and watch those animals die over and over again to undo the attachment that they had to them in their hearts. Mm. Uh, Number four we, you know, we, we need to find accountability because when you're an addict, you can't trust yourself. Mm. I can't, I, you know, I could go on and on about how many times I convinced myself very easily, I might add, uh, you know, (laughs) to drink or, or to, to do stuff that wasn't good for me because, uh, you know, it was, it was, it's easy to, to compromise it. It's easy to rationalize all that. Uh, so you have to find someone who's going to help you say no and help you kind of like have you report to them, you know, by the end of the day, so you know, okay, I can't get away from this. I can't get away with this. Um, number five, uh, is fasting where, you know, because it, it's in the Bible, you know, Jesus says, you know, some things can't, can't be handled with just prayer. You need to fast as well. And really I, what I think fasting does, it's like exercising your trust in God, hmm. right? You're like showing God, Hey, listen, like not only do I, you know, love you and I, do I want to be you know, relationship with you, but I'm going to show you too, that that's what I want. And then we also have a number six, which is obvious. Everyone's going to be like, well, of course it's on the list, you know, daily prayer routine, because that, that's how we, you know, have a relationship, right? We can't just sit there and not talk to God. And that's, you know, looking at my own experience, like he showed up in my prayer, like tremendously to the point where I don't know if, if I'd be here right now, if he didn't, if I didn't pray. And then sacramental life, like I said earlier, I went to confession every day for two weeks, and that worked. Uh, I, you know, he, when I received the Eucharist... There's grace. That, yeah, that grace, mm-hmm. that needs to be protected, right? And that's how we protect it, is through the, the sacraments.
4: Hmm. I, I want to be careful how I say this, but as I listen to you, Thomas, this is really very relevant, whether you're an addict, the parent of an addict, uh, a recovering addict, because in a certain sense... We are all, what, what I hear you say at every moment, I think your fourth point was to fill an emptiness or to fill a yeah. void in our first half, right? Mm-hmm. And then what you, everything that you <clears throat> talked about in the seven steps fills a void. It puts something where something either isn't or shouldn't be, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and we are all, and maybe I'm projecting, I don't think I am, St. Augustine said, you have created us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Every one of us has a profound ache that is that emptiness. That's how he wired us. That's how he brings us back. That's why, Craig, you said he always goes to the mess. He always steps into the mess because the mess is his beloved, right? And so he wired us. In a certain sense, we all need some element of this regardless of our state from an addiction perspective, because it, it, it puts into that ache that God created to draw us back to him, the things that actually draw us back to him. Amen. That you, I, I, you've captured something here that I that is profound.
3: Wow, praise the Lord. Thank you.
2: Yeah, and as I, as I listen to each one of these as well, I think, John, you said it so well, and that we're all gonna deal with this, right? Yeah. All of us, and it may not be drugs or alcohol, Yeah. For us. But maybe it's it's become the telephone, like you said. I mean, Mm -hmm. so many of us now are addicted to our phone and just that dopamine rush every time you you see a new message or whatever it might be. But we're replacing what God is offering us for the best. You know, and I know one of my questions earlier was what kind of things can parents do? And obviously these are the things that the person who is struggling with addiction needs to do these seven steps. But as you were talking them through, I was thinking, okay, but you know what's helpful for me, especially as a parent or maybe a friend of somebody who's dealing with an addiction is I can actually see where can I enter into these seven steps um, in a meaningful way, right? So, you know, putting others first, can I offer somebody who's trying to get out of, uh, of this kind of behavior. Can I offer them opportunities to serve? You know, can I yeah. invite them to come along? Oh, for sure. You know, for example, my kids, we used to go visit the nursing homes. Can yeah. I offer them a service opportunity or invite them along on a service opportunity? Can I teach somebody how to do something, you know, maybe a hobby that they, you know, maybe I see in them that they might have a talent for something. Can I offer to pay for a class for them to take, or can mm-hmm. I, Um, teach them something maybe I know how to do. So it's just kind of interesting as you look at these, as I look at these seven things, I think, is there something I could do to support it or to encourage it for somebody who's dealing with that? Or it also helps me know what to pray for, for somebody as well. Because, you know, when you were talking, for example, about the hobby one, I was thinking, God, I really do truly believe that God gives each of us various gifts and talents, Mm -hmm. right? Abilities, you know, your ability to play the guitar, your love for theology he planted those things mm-hmm. in your heart oh, for
3: sure years
2: and years and years before oh yeah you became an addict mm-hmm. and before he drew them back out for you right um and so is there a way that we can encourage that in other people i don't exactly. know that just really kind of struck me and
3: i, I love how you, you said encourage too because that that's really that's really it is we need to encourage our mm-hmm. kids and mm-hmm. i think people like to be critical you know and i, I honestly think uh, every millennial right now does not need to be criticized. Mm. <laughs> I think we've received it mm. enough to where we know what's wrong with us. Um, and so I think encouragement, mm. you know, find, like make a list. And I've, I've given this as, as advice to some of my clients, like make a list of the things about this person, you know, that, that's bothering you or that you're struggling with or, you know, that you're praying for that, that's good, Right. And focus on one of those things every day. Like, like, is that how you can encourage them and help them improve on that? It's kind of like the, the strength finders, mm-hmm. you know, but apply to someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, they always say that Satan is the great accuser. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he's always going to be in our ear a lot of times accusing mm-hmm. somebody else or your own ear. Yeah. Because yeah. even in my spiritual direction courses, one of the things they talk about is shame. Yeah, because shame compounds a lot of addiction because Mm -hmm. you start down a path, you get ashamed. Well, I can't go and deal with this because God will never forgive me. Well, I better go drink. I better go do this. I better go do that. And it just keeps piling on. And Satan stays in your ear saying, yeah, you know, you're never going to get over this. You're never going to do that. And we got to continue to break that. Mm -hmm. What do you do in that kind of a case? How do you, in your mind, convince people that you're forgivable it's, it's God can deal with this. God can overcome this because I got to tell you, there's a lot of people that have no hope yeah. because society tells them, whomever their parents tell them, you're useless, you're no good. What do you do in those cases?
3: Well, I was I was one of the those people who people would point out and say that they have no hope. So I, mm-hmm. I totally I totally understand what you're saying. And so in that case, that's where the inner healing comes is because, you know, there there are two types of knowledge that we kind of have about our identity one is in the head, mm-hmm. which is logical and can be argued with the other is the heart though that that nothing can be said to convince you otherwise. If you believe someone with your heart that you could tell someone all day, "No, no, you're good enough, no, we like you, We want you to be around, but if they believe in their heart that they're worthless, that no one likes them, and that mm. you know they're not they're not good enough unless they do something to make people happy, then that's what they're going to think about themselves and so I, I I go through that with people, and we we actually we go through pray- a prayer process where they don't just hear it from people. They hear it from God himself. Mm. And he convinces them. And then, then the heart is able to be unwound and convinced yep. that, of their identity in God, not in what they do or have done or their failures.
1: Well, and I think, too, parents... Mm-hmm. you can't be ashamed of yourself. Mm-hmm. I know it's really easy to look in the mirror and say, boy, did I fail? I remember when I did this 10 years ago, yeah. and I know that's yeah. what caused this mm-hmm. problem. And the reality is maybe we've added to it somehow, yep. but yep. we can't be ashamed either. And we need to yeah. be able to go to God and mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. if I screwed up, forgive me, inner healing, enter, God will enter yeah. into the past. And we've yeah. talked about it on the show before. Mm-hmm. God can go back in the past Heal something back then and carry it forward, which, you know, everybody listening might go, well, that doesn't make any sense because we're linear. God is not. God lives in the past, Mm -hmm. lives in the present, lives in the future. And I just want to encourage everybody, you know, it's not a blame game. It's about what do we do today
4: and what's God willing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. could I dive? A, that's a really good point. And, and Craig, you talked about it earlier in the show, and you and I have talked about it multiple multi times. I'm not going to get sure. I'm going to get the word right. I think you talk about accompaniment. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and your point number four, find an accountability partner.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: When you're in the thick of the mess, probably finding accountability partner may be nearly impossible, but... But give us some insights, like how do you pick an accountability partner? Because I would think, I just know from my own experience, I've made some pretty poor choices in who would be my accountability partner, and it ended up being more complicating than than helping, right? So what are some things that you could offer in choosing that accountability partner? Sure. I mean, I think
3: the best way is like, who do you want to be like, mm-hmm. right? And then that, or like someone who you definitely see as as being farther down the road as you, that would be like the, the best way to do it. But like some people don't have those options. Uh, and so just someone you trust is good to trust someone you mm-hmm. trust who you know, isn't going to hurt you or make things worse. Damn. And, and if you don't have anyone like that, then find someone, you know, even if it's, you know, a, a, you go to a random church, find a priest or go to, you know, if that's uncomfortable for, you, you know, go to a clinic, you know, for, you know, drugs and alcohol or, uh, for, you know, uh like counseling needs and whatnot. Got you know, find, find someone you can trust for mm-hmm. sure.
2: You know, that word trust brings back the other word that we keep saying. You were talking about people, what they believe in their heart. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned accompaniment. You also mentioned encouragement and how yeah. important that is. And that strikes me, always strikes me so much because the word encouragement, the middle part of that word, cœur, actually in French means heart. Oh, you nice. You know, so when you're encouraging nice. somebody, you're really touching their heart. Mm-hmm. You're reaching in and putting it into their heart. Beautiful. And uh, yeah, so that's so... That that strikes me. The other thing that strikes me from what you talked about is um when you talked about doing the opposite action. Mm-hmm. Um we had Dr. Edward Sree on our first show back oh, in wonderful. September. And you know, anybody who wants to listen to any of our shows, they're also podcasted. So you can go to our website, Great. you can go to um thequestatlanta.com forward slash the family room and you can find all of our podcasts. But he talks about virtue and vice and how if you <clears> want to grow in virtue. You have to keep on doing the actions um, and you're overcoming the vices and you have to do the opposite yes. of the vice action and do that virtue. And that's kind of what you're talking yeah, about is exactly. that you identify mm-hmm. where, where are you stumbling and then do the actual, absolute opposite.
1: Exactly.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. And a lot of times, too, folks, we got to get out of our own heads. I mean, like yeah. you said, oh, yeah. we live in our own headspace. And sometimes, at least in my head, it's a very scary place to live for very long. <laughs> um, but I mean, really, I think we need to take those things that are in our head and take it to prayer, Amen. you know, and I think um, we've talked about adoration. We've talked about confession, you know, sitting in front of God Amen. and really, yeah. you know, like you said, it's got to come out of our hearts, out of our heads. It's got to mm-hmm. be in our heart and opening up our heart to God kind of going, hey, yeah. dude, I'm really struggling with mm-hmm. this and sitting there and letting him enter in is a is a huge thing and I think we failed in a lot of cases to really get there so I appreciate you bringing that up early on that this sure. is this is yeah. getting into the heart
2: It is it is yeah. So Thomas we would love for you to um any final thoughts you have for our listeners and close us in prayer this morning oh, uh, sure. today Oh for sure
3: Yeah yeah I just I want I said earlier I want to remind people that you know God is not a hands-off god. Uh he is interactive. He lives with us and helps us uh interact with him, partner with him and and trust him Uh, and what, you know, putting that into action is what my favorite acronym is. It's push pray until something happens. Mm. Right. And, you know, if you keep praying and keep trusting and be patient, something's going to happen. And, uh, so I encourage you to do that. And if anyone is seeking help, uh, with any of these things and they they feel like they need accountability or just someone to talk to, uh, please reach out to us at Zenith Ministries. Uh, We're at zenithministries.com. Uh, forward slash services or forward slash mentorship too. You can reach us there and we'd love to talk to you and see how we can help. And let's go ahead and pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, you are so good that you uh, allow us to know you and and to have a relationship with you. We ask that you help us to increase our relationship with you, to grow closer to you. We pray for those who are struggling uh, with addiction right now, Lord, that you May help them find relief from the the pain that that is causing them. Help them find the peace that they truly seek uh, through the things that they're addicted to. Help them to find it in you, Lord. Uh, we pray for them and for those who are struggling uh, with their relationship with that person, too.
4: Amen.
2: Thank you, Thomas, and thank you, listeners. We'll be back with you again next week here in The Family Room, where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families.
0: Thanks for hanging out with us in The Family Room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.